But mark this. Make note of this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. What prophecy. There are even Christian counselors today that say we should love ourselves. Can I, uh, if you've been drinking at that fountain, can I tell you, it's much better to love the Lord your God with all your heart and have a frank and honest appreciation and awareness of who you are and the state you're in. Um, Self-worth is not based in how wonderful I am. Self-worth is based in how much I'm loved. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. No, it wasn't written in the 20th century. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, somewhat familiar, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, brutal. They know about that in Bosnia, don't they? Not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. We've got some of that in the church too. As long as my leisure and recreational pursuits fit in, church can have its place. It's amazing, isn't it? I wonder when the Lord Jesus will come in the clouds. This is not in my sermon. One day, in case you didn't know, at a, time, at a date fixed by the Father, the Son of God, the Bible tells us, will come in the, in, in the clouds in power and great glory. And those that have died believing, will rise from the grave or from the sea or from wherever they've been scattered into new resurrection bodies and they will rise to meet the Lord in the air. And those of us that are alive at his coming will then be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and we will be forever with the Lord. And it's my understanding that Jesus will return to the Mount of Olives and will stand and that there will be a, a physical parting of that land uh, on a, along a fault line that they've found is already in the Mount of Olives. And uh, the, 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 then this earth will be burned up like a scroll, and uh, we will be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. Sin will be destroyed, the devil will be destroyed, and the terrible thing is that judgment will be eternal for those who did not know him. I wonder how near we are. I know that you, as you read, well, it's always been a bit like that. Yes, it has always been a bit like that. And there have been seasons across the world where it has been a lot like that. But it seems to me that we are living in a day where those trends are accelerating. Pause for thought. Selah.
having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. They are the kind that who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women. Never met those. <clears throat> who are <laughs> not a particular, you know, kind of that that batch never came my way. Yeah. No, you don't need to laugh. Right. Um, who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Janus and Jambre oppose Moses, so also these men oppose the truth, men of depraved minds, who as far as the faith is concerned are rejected. He's called a spade a spade, didn't he? But they will not get very far because... As in, the day, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, and he's not bragging, what kinds of things happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact... Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While, every, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We've been looking over weeks past at the scripture and the importance and the nature of what God has given us here. And that the scripture is not something for academics. It's, it's actually there to help from infancy to old age. It's relevant whatever your circumstance, whatever your age or condition. And uh, especially if you want to know God, it's essential. If you want to know anything about Jesus Christ, you can only find the facts about him here. You won't go to a history book, it's all come out of here. If you want to know how to get to heaven, if you want to know how to get rid of your guilt, you'll find the answer here. And therefore, um, and uh, by way of reminder, it's interesting, isn't it, that Paul writing to Timothy of these things says exactly what I've said for the last three weeks. Don't you think that's remarkable? Didn't he do well? Don't you think? Because see, he makes exactly the same point. He says to Timothy that what you learned and became convinced of from, from those from whom you learned it. He's talking about parents teaching their children the things of God. Scripture from infanthood, he says. And in the first chapter, verse 5, it says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. 
Grandma and mum taught Timothy the scripture. Taught him the word of God. Right? An excellent illustration of what we... And please note, you think, well, my kids have grown up, it's too late. No, it's not. What did Lois do? Timothy got his faith from his grandmother and his mother. What happened to the men? All right, we won't go into that. Maybe that problem isn't new either. So the, the, the scripture being that the thing to talk to your kids, explain to and notice it says, the things you became convinced of from those at home. Right? He, he understood the word of God and conviction came from home. Has to come from home. If our kids don't think, by heck, they certainly believe what they say, how will they ever believe it? And uh, if the Sunday school teacher is convinced and the parent isn't, what hope has the kid got? And notice also uh, that, that those from whom you learned it, that it, it wasn't just a matter they stuck a Bible in their hand, that the lives of the people that gave the teaching gave credibility to what they taught. So that was three weeks ago. A week ago, we were looking at the, in 1 Peter chapter 1, how that the scripture is more than a manual. There's truth in it. There's life in it. The power to do what God says we should do is in the word. It's not a dead letter. The spirit of God always goes hand in hand with the scripture. Always. I say always. You can argue with me about that if you like later. And therefore it says that that these scriptures are able to make us wise for salvation in Christ Jesus. And the difference between somebody who says, oh, I understand this gospel business. That person isn't wise. The person who says, I understand the gospel. That person's wise. Knowledge and wisdom, wisdom actually drops a bit lower than knowledge does doesn't it? Gets you here. And that this book is able to make me wise for salvation. In other words, that in understanding the book, the Spirit of God will make it real for me. That's what he says. And therefore, Paul, uh, in a day where, and as we've seen, times are not promising here. And there were already these false teachers rising up. And so, to Timothy, he gives a really clear, clear, clear word, an unambiguous word about, you know, what the Bible's all about and how it works, how important it is. Do you think it really is, to, you see, like, yeah, this, this time yesterday I was in Newcastle, or north of Newcastle, my brother's stepson's wedding. We were there until nearly eight o'clock, so... We gave them a Bible. I thought nobody else will. We gave them a script. We gave them some other clutter as well. But we, oh, I give them a Bible that half expected anyway. But it it wasn't one of those kind of silver-edged ones, nice little nice little Bible for your wedding day, you know, to kind of put with the piece of cake you keep for a hundred years. 
But was it right to do that? Because they would have been taught at school, right the way through school, that the Bible is no longer reliable. They probably heard it at college. They'd have been told that it's full of contradictions and errors and that there are some fairy stories in it. That it's nice, but it's discredited. Why have they been taught that? Actually, there have always been people that said that sort of thing. There have always been people that couldn't do with a God who is present and speaking into amongst it the people that he's made and telling them what his law was and what was right and what was wrong. The rationalists can't cope with this word. Unfortunately, in, in, in the media struggle, the rationalists have won for the people at large. And the relativists, those who really do want to kind of do what they want to do, you know, if it feels right, do it. They don't like this. So we mustn't be at all surprised if the scripture's been attacked and smeared. If the devil has tried to discredit. He would, wouldn't he? But wouldn't he? But the problem is that sometimes those kind of thoughts actually get under the skin with us and we begin to believe, half believe them ourselves. And therefore, to come back to what Paul said, three things he said here about the Scripture. And I just want to put it as clear as I can. I hope you're nodding all the way through. I hope you're thoroughly convinced of what I will say. I hope you think, well, David, this is bringing coals to Newcastle or whichever way around it is. Um, I hope you do. First thing he says is that, it is, that it, the Bible is inspired. The word he uses is to say that this book, unlike the books of the false teachers, is God-breathed. That God, it's shot through with inspiration. He's not saying, oh, well, the word of God is in this somewhere. You simply have to pray hard and find it. He's saying the word of God is God-breathed. Peter, writing in his first letter, says, Prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Born along, taken hand in hand. Kept in such a way that God's revelation was pure as it was contained here. Now, I'm sure that there are the odd scribe has spelt a word wrong, a word wrong, um, I was going to say not dotted an I, but they didn't have dots in, in the original, just consonants. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that uh, the, 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 the printed form is of a very recent date, whenever that man in Germany was, or wherever he was. Um, but they, it's been handwritten and rewritten and copied by scribes very carefully. Every time they came to the, the name of God, they had to have a new pen. Every time. That must have been quite expensive on pens in some parts of the Bible, don't you think? And every time they, time they came to the name of the Lord, they went and had a bath. So the, the, the rules for, for, for copying were quite demanding. And if they found a flaw anywhere in a manuscript, they destroyed the whole manuscript. You've been writing it all year. Can you imagine? And you got to the end of Malachi and you spelt Malachi wrong. Ah! And your supervisor saw you and said, ah! So it worked. But I'm sure that one or two, as originally given, this book is inspired. It's interesting that the words that are used here are also quite interesting. In chapter, in, in verse 15, Paul describes the holy, the holy writings, the holy scriptures 
But of course, in Timothy's infancy, that would have been all he had. The, the, the word there is a different word from what is used in verse 16, all scripture. In the, in the Greek original, the two are different words. And, and one is re- referring to the Old Testament. That's what Lois and, what's his face? Uh, mother, daughter, Eunice, that's right. They, they taught Timothy from there. The, the word that is used in, in verse 16 um, is a wider word. It's also the word that is used of Paul's writings to Peter. And they didn't always see eye to eye, these guys. But it's interesting, 2, 2 Peter 3.16 this is Peter writing about Paul's letters. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking them in these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. Ever thought that? Well, Peter agrees with you. Um, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures. So Peter is already recognizing that what Paul has written is scripture. Now that word for scripture is the word that's found in verse 16. It's not the word that's found in verse 15 that refers to Old Testament only. Interesting. Well, okay. Well, I think it was interesting. The point is that whether Old or New Testament, they are recognizably inspired. The theologians use the word the plenary inspiration of scripture, the full, through and through, inspiration of scripture. And you say, oh, David, come on. No, I'm sorry. You see, Jesus believed it so. In John 17, 17, Jesus said, your word is truth. Now, was Jesus wrong? Well, because Jesus was only born in, in, you know, AD, whatever it was, BC 4, put it uh, probability. Of course, so he didn't really know what happened at creation, did he? Oh, yes, he did. So, well, then, but Jesus clearly believed that Isaiah wrote the whole book. And of course, he wasn't around when Isaiah wrote the book, did he? Was he? Oh, yes, he was. Well, of course, well, but Jesus believed that, that Moses wrote the Pentateuch, that Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You can't believe it. He couldn't have been right on that, could he? He couldn't have known. He just, he just believed what everybody had told him. Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> Sorry. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through him, and not anything was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Sorry. Uh, now, the, 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 the programming d- uh, director of Channel 4 might tell me that the Bible is full of... It. I've never found these errors. I, I've been through this book. I've done search of scriptures. I think I'm now on my fifth go. I've never found them. I've never found anything in the scripture which a, a sensible commentary couldn't fully explain to my entire satisfaction. I, 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 so that I don't belong to the Flat Earth Society. I don't have to be intellectually cuckoo to believe that this book is credible and stands up for itself. Is that right, Stanley? Because he's cleverer than me. That's not difficult. Yeah. You see, the reason that the book is reliable is because the source is reliable. 
If God breathed through this, it's going to be true. It's going to be trustworthy. It's not going to be limited to human conditions and times. Well, Jesus didn't really know. He was just a man of his time. No, he wasn't. Not if I believe that he was who he says he was. And if I don't believe that, I'm not a Christian. You see here the, that uh, at a time of militant error, these people needed to know what was true. They needed a fixed point. They needed a point of reference, of certainty, a standard. And so Paul gave it to them. When I was talking to the children earlier on, um, I, I did it all by same kind of truth, but by illustration. And I, I, I talked about one of these. You know what one of those is? It's a compass. Right? You use them on mountains. Yeah, southerners don't know what they are, but mountains are, are tall, big things um, with a view. Sorry. <laughs> Andrew will tell you. Right? Um, and I, I explained that uh, no matter where you are, and I've used one of these in many countries of the world and many mountains in the world, it's part of my ministry. <laughs> it's an excellent idea. Um, and the red bit always pointed north. Amazing. And it was always true. I know you have magnetic variation, you, the field moves again, but basically if I make adjustment for magnetic variation, it's always true, always works. Now why is that? I'll tell you why. Because God made the world with a magnetic field. And it always works. It doesn't matter where you are, how high you are, how thick the mist, you can always tell, you can always orient, always orientate yourself because of the way that God made it true. And it's the same. There are, there are many instances in life, and can I tell you this, I don't know how this applies to you, but take note and take note well. People in our day and age will say, well, you know, do what feels right. If you do that, if you do that in Scotland, in a thick mist, you're a dead man. If you do it in life, you're an idiot. You actually need a point of reference to show you, to orientate yourself for life. The scripture is that. Very sad day, this wedding I went to yesterday. Oh, listen, I went to, Andrew went to. My brother married a lady who'd been married before. And now, then she left him and married somebody else who'd been married before and living with somebody else for so long. It's incredibly complicated. And it was a beautiful wedding. And it was a lovely manor house. And it was in an Anglican church, a proper church, you know what I mean, with pillars and stained glass windows and all that carry on. And uh, it was all, oh, just like Bride's Magazine. And they're lovely people. Don't get me wrong, he's a good rugby player. He's, you know... <laughs> But it was all veneer. And in your heart, you know, when they made their vows, you know, till death has to part, part you know, but, but by the grace of God, what chance? Nobody for generations has done it, has coped it in their family. They need a point of reference. That's why we gave them a Bible. Someone to show that, you see, it isn't instinct that shows us the right way. If you're in trouble relationally, or if you're in trouble emotionally, or in, 
it won't be, well, I've got a hunch. Your hunch could take your father down the blind alley and generally do. What God has given shows us the way to hope and light. And it always works. Secondly, that this is a practical and a profitable book. All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable. For correction, for rebuking, was it? No, for, for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. Now, there are two pairs there, two couples. Teaching and rebuking is the Bible will tell me what is right, what is right, and it'll tell me where I'm wrong. That's the rebuking. But if I need to understand what is true, it'll tell me. If, 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 if it will, but it will also challenge where I'm clearly bonkers in my thinking. And come on, we have imbibed some trash mentally over the years, and this scripture will put us right if we'll sufficiently take note of it. But it will also correct us in our behavior. Have you ever been reading the Bible and it slammed you between the eyes and made it absolutely clear that your behavior is awful? It will confront me over my behavior and show me how my behavior can be made right. It will train me. Yes, amen. May it do so, everybody says. There's easy... There's a practical authority here. I need to get under it. It isn't a question of whether I like it. Look, look I, I, do I or do I not need all of this to speak into my life? Or do I take the bits that fit? I need it all. If you, likewise, need all of God's counsels to get your life right, to make sure your future's on the rails, it is of necessity that you make yourself well acquainted with it. Now, I illustrated this this morning by... Um, uh, sorry, Northern Scotland seemed to be the maps that came to hand most easily. And uh, I, I took the people to Skye. There we are. And uh, on a four-inch... Four, four miles to an inch... Four, in, four miles to an inch... There's the island of Scalpy. Just there, there's Skye. There's the Cullin. That's the place to be. Um, and there, there's, there, there's Scalpy. And I, 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 look, I got um, Scott to read the map, tell us what we could see on it. And he told us little bits about Scalpy. The sea all around it, a bit of trees on it, mountain on it. Um, and then I got somebody even more discerning to have another look at Scalpy. Which was there. That's no sculpting. And so we can see that the burial ground is there and the house is there and other bits and bits. Do you know something? The scripture is the only book that I've ever read that every time you go to it, you get something fresh out of it. Somehow it's like a mine you can keep digging and each time you go back to it, you go to it on a different scale. So that, and uh, I don't, you know, if you're a young Christian, don't be discouraged. Just think of all the brilliant, brilliant years ahead you've got because, you know, Stanley reads Sculpey like that. It's the, same, it's the same island. And you think, gosh, I wish I could get all of that out of the book. You will. 
But you have to keep going back to it. You have to keep digging. You have to keep reading and reading. You never get to a point when you're as old as I am where you know it all and you think, well, I can live on what I've got. Ever. You see, it's profitable. <laughs> it's all good stuff. But the lack in my life is because of my ignorance of it, not my knowledge. So much of the problems in my life is that I know too much from other sources and not enough from here. But you know that anyway. You see, the, the good thing is, if I can continue the mountain analogy, which is a nice thing to do. When God wrote this book, he wrote it on a clear day. I don't know if you've ever been on a hill and come to a tribulation point. Scottish nationalists are smashing them to bits in Scotland because they're signs of English imperialism. So there are hardly any tribulation points left north of the border. Um, but they're kind of white columns, concrete posts. And they set up their theodolites and everything on it in order to kind of calculate the triangles that they could work out height and distance and therefore they could plot the map from those trick points. Um, and when they did it, they did it on a clear day. I don't know how ever they got the map finished to Scotland, but nevertheless, it must have taken them a year or two, a millennia or two. Um, but, but they did it on a clear day, so they could see and map out everything that they wanted to see. Can I tell you, when God gave you the map, he saw everything that could be seen and wrote down what would be helpful for you so that on a cloudy day, you'd be able to know where you were. And where are you going? Do you see the picture? Because I think the analogy is actually quite a sharp one. But then there's something else, and I'm really repeating what I said last week now, but I'll say it anyway. In mountaineering terms, it's almost as if every time you get a map and a compass, you get one of those. It's, it's the kind of, it's the stuff that helps you get there and not get too faint on the way back. There's power in this word. It, it doesn't just tell me what I should do. You know, I, if I can change the, the analogy to, a, you know, you've got a Haynes manual and you're trying to suss the car out, right? Now, the fact that I've got a Haynes manual doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to get the car to work. I have made some horrible messes on a car with a Haynes manual. <laughs> it's frightening. I no longer try to do anything on the car the day before I got to go anywhere. <laughs> if only I had a mechanic with power to help me with the Haynes manual. When you read the Bible, you've got the mechanic at your hand to help you. What God says in his word, he helps us by his spirit. The mechanics are actually like this. We have the scripture. You read the scripture. Man, Bible. No. He reads the script. Well, I hope he does. Let's say for sake of argument that he does. Let's pretend, right? <laughs> Romans 10 says that faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So I read the scripture. And as I read the scripture, faith rises in my heart and understanding. 
What happens when faith is in the heart? Power is released. Huh? Uh, there, there are certain aspects of, of, of sin and unbelief and, and rebellion that can interrupt that process. But broadly speaking, unless there's a reason which is cast iron, you can convince God of it. Broadly speaking, if you open yourself to that process, that process will work. The Word of God produces faith that produces power. So even though the demands of God are now extensive in this word, that God will work in our hearts as we allow the word to work on us to enable us to do what he says. Creates it. And that's why, it, that, uh, in the, in the, as, I, as I mentioned at the beginning, it says that he's able to make us wise for salvation. It doesn't just tell it to us as, as a kind of never-never land, but actually brings salvation to us in reality. Changes lives, solves problems. You should know. You have enough of them. But then going down into verse 17, that the man of God, that the person of God, man or woman of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Look at that. It'll have all it needs, God, if we will make ourselves thoroughly aware and grounded and grasp of this word, this revelation, this inspired truth that he's given us, that he will also, as a concomitant of that, give us that which we need, that we might be people of God. There's a man of God. Man of God. Oh, Hudson Taylor. No, sorry. No. Man of God, man of God, woman of God, woman of God. So that ordinary people, not just preachers, so that housewives and, and people that put funny colored glass in windows, stained, what is it? Haven't you got a fancier name for it than that? What are you? A stained, so that even, even stained glass artists, can stand complete, fully equipped. Fully equipped. Fully equipped. Very important when you go on a mountain that you're fully equipped. It can be a very, very dangerous place to be if you're not. Climbing the north wall of the Eiger can be a very, very difficult, dangerous place to be if you're not fully equipped. You're out of your brains if you go anywhere near it. Huh? Fancy trying to go through life not fully equipped. Wouldn't you have to have lost your marbles? Hmm? The lift wouldn't reach the top floor, would it? It couldn't. Really. Fancy trying to go through life not fully equipped when you could be fully equipped. What more need I say? We're not ostriches that believe the scripture. I mean people that put their head in the sand and pretend that reality isn't there. As I said, I don't belong to the Fat Earth Society. It's not an obscure and irrelevant little bunch. More and more, as I see the way that people in this world live and work, more and more I am, it is becoming clear to me that the people with the Bible are the only people with the map. I haven't got a clue. 
haven't got a clue how to raise your kids, how to build relationships, how to have peace of mind, how to deal with guilt, how to handle people that are hostile to you and and, and treat you badly and rat on you. The world has not got a clue. The only people that have got a clue are the people with the map. Now, I'm, I'm talking, you know, I'm getting on now. Right, I'm still in my 40s. <clears throat> Did Chuckles make a statement like that? <clears throat> but at least I... Uh, gotcha. Uh, at least I do have the benefit of some years of saying, gosh, some people without the map can make a mess. I've seen people make a mess on a mountain, actually. This uh, revelation of God is able to make me wise. Now, I can wallow in my own conceits and convince myself that actually I'm wise enough. Look, take note. Please do. Remember this. At least remember what has been said this morning. So that 30 years down the road, when you've made the same mistakes 30 times and the hole you're digging for yourself is 10 times bigger, at least you'll know where the answer is. Then there'll be hope. Praise God. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we, we have taken what you've said so often for granted. We've begun to believe the lie and, and we've been sold the idea that the Bible is less relevant, less powerful, less effective, less appropriate in our generation than it was to those unsophisticated ancestors of ours. And Lord, it's a foolish mistake we've made. And Lord, as, as your people, as your church in the land of the na in Britain today, we can see that the scripture does not have the place that it had a hundred years ago, and we are confused because of it. And we ask you, Lord, that you will help us, help me in my life, to take your word seriously. Make me wise for salvation. Make me a person of God, fully equipped for every good work. For Jesus' sake.